Well, what's up, church? How's everybody doing today? You doing good? All right. You feeling good? I'm feeling good. Thanks for asking. Thanks for asking. Well, we have been in a series called Who is God? Our first week, we looked at Who is God the Father. The second week, we looked at Who is God the Son. And today, we're going to be talking about and looking at Who is God the Holy Spirit. And you can follow along with us by using the Bible app, or you can also go to info at bridgechurch.cc. Ask for the sermon notes, and there you will receive them. Let me ask you a question. When you hear the word spirit, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Maybe some people may think, okay, ghost, spooky, a little scary maybe. What if you hear the word Holy Spirit? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, for some people it may mean a little spiritually spooky. <laughs> or maybe uh, wild, crazy, freaky. Or some may also think that it's our comforter, our encourager, our counselor. Pastor Farrell says that we are a church that is spiritual but not spooky. You know, there's a fine line there where, where, where people... Some people like to, to cross that line at times. There is a spiritual line and a, and a spooky line. And some people gradually go into that spooky time and what Pastor Farrell calls freaky town. But that's not who we are, and that's not what we represent. But I do want to um, tell you guys that I want to go ahead and set your minds at ease that we're not going to be bringing out the snakes until the second service. Some of you got that. Some of you will get that on the way home, but some of you did get that. Some of you were thinking that before we even said the word snakes, and that's what I'm talking about. Some people think that that's what the Holy Spirit's about. Some people think that the Holy Spirit, because that's what you've seen and, and, and heard, that the Holy Spirit is about all this wild and crazy, freaky type stuff, and that's not who we are, and that's not what we're about. But just because you don't know what it's all about doesn't mean that it's wrong. Now I'm going to um, bring the Word of God, and I want to. Um, we're going to do this in a little bit different way. And um, either way, I want us to look at who is the Holy Spirit is not, and who the Holy Spirit is, and then we're going to tie it all in by talking about how the Holy Spirit works in our life. Y'all ready? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Uh, first thing, we're going to look at who the Holy Spirit is not. Number one, the Holy Spirit is not scary. Say that with me. The Holy Spirit is not scary. Oh, come on now. The Holy Spirit is not scary. We've got to work, get you guys woken up this morning. It is Sunday, but I want to get you guys in tune with it today. Say it, Timothy, tap chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. You've heard the word, um, the, the phrase Holy Ghost, as you have heard the, the phrase Holy Spirit. Well, Holy Ghost only comes from the King James Bible. But let's look at a story in the Bible where the disciples thought that they saw a real ghost as they were in a boat, and they were on the water, and they thought they saw a real ghost coming to them. Matthew chapter 14, verse 16 says, when the disciples saw him, him being Jesus, walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. I mean, I would too, wouldn't you? If you actually saw a ghost and you saw one coming to you, you would cry out in fear also, wouldn't you? I have a story to, to, to say, to talk about. We, on my dad's side of the family, there was a, uh, we have a big 
um, farmhouse. It's been in the, the family for centuries, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Many people have lived in this house. Missionaries have come and gone. Evangelism has, has come and gone throughout this house for centuries. So who knows how many people have li actually lived in this house, but um, there are rumors that it was haunted. And uh, when, you, when you ever say that the, the house is haunted, then it gets everybody um, scared about going around it and going to it. And uh, I remember growing up as a little child and, and talking about uh, what they call big grannies. Why they call it big grannies, I don't know, but that's just what we've called it. And I remember a couple stories, a couple things um, back when I was growing up, some things that made me think, okay, maybe this thing is a little haunted. But, so I go in, we always have an uh, Easter egg hunt there. And um, we go and we hunt Easter eggs. It's a big, humongous yard, and we go there and hunt Easter eggs. And this particular time, we, we go inside, and we're doing our eggs, and Mom is at the sink, and she has the water running as she's doing the eggs, and then all of a sudden the water turns off on its own. And she backs up and says, whoa, did you all see that? That water just turned off on its own. I didn't touch it. And she was, she was really scared and freaking out about it. And then there was another time where we were the same thing. Mom was involved again, bless her heart. And uh, she, we were um, doing the Easter egg hunt uh, thing again. We come inside, we do our eggs. But this time, we actually all go back outside. No, adults and the, the children go outside. Mom needs to use the restroom, so there's the closest restroom that's in the kitchen there. There's a really small bathroom there. It has a really, really old slat door and a really, really old lock that hasn't been locked in centuries. And the only way to lock or unlock that lock was using a skeleton key that does not um, exist anymore. So there's a little latch there. So she's in the bathroom, and she does her thing, and she's ready to come out, and she can't open the door. Yeah, she can't open that door. And she's like, okay, ha, 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 somebody's playing a joke on me. This house is supposed to be haunted. They're just playing a joke on me. All right, you can let me out now. It's funny. And they still can't open the door. And she doesn't hear anybody either. So then she's like, all right, this is not funny anymore. I don't like this. Let me out. Nothing still. And then she starts really getting scared. She's like, oh my, I'm in this house by myself, and this door's locked, and they're saying this place is haunted, and she's flipping out. She's trying her best to open up this door, beating and banging, yelling and screaming and hollering, trying to get people out, out to, to help her, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it just goes, and opens up on its own. And she's just like, and she runs out, runs outside, and tells everybody everything that's going on, and she does not go to that bathroom still till this day. She was petrified, as anybody probably would be. Then there's another story of the very last story that tops them all. We, we used to live in South Carolina. We came back um, to North Carolina, and we're in between houses. So, of course, the only house that's available for us to stay in until we find another house is Big Granny's. So we go there, and uh, now I'm in high school at the time, and um, so I'm not afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> yeah, right. So we go, and we're staying there, and at times I was there by myself, and I remember this one particular night where I was there by myself, and I'm watching TV, and then all of a sudden it seems, it looks like what looks like a figure walking across the living room, and I lose it. You know, I completely lose it, and I'm like, all right, I got to get out of here. Uh, this is not real, everybody. What, all the ghost stories, and this is what we're, I'm seeing right now. This can't be happening, so I'm like, all right. Let me get, get my mind ready, get, get my mind all, all right. This can't be really happening. I must be really, really tired right now. So I just shake it off. I turn the TV back on, and I'm watching TV, and that happens again and, and again and again. And then the last time I remember just sitting there really, really still watching this thing, where, it, where it's coming from and where it's going, 
And then from then on, from that day forward, I made a point, because I was the type of guy that loves to figure things out and loves to prove, okay, they don't really, it, this ain't really happening. So I want to really find out what was really going on instead of it being a ghost. So the next couple of days, I, would, uh, I figured it out. I figured out that it was a, it was a car that um, was coming down the road. When cars come down the road, there's a slight turn there. When the lights hit these really, 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 really old windows that are wavy, you know what I'm talking about, you've seen the wavy windows, they hit the windows and they reflect into the house and it looks like lights kind of walking or whatever. So there you go. There was the, the, the lights there. I figured them out. They were not ghosts. So then I made a point to also figure out the rest of the things and, and I figured out the, the, uh, the water spigot thing and I also figured out the, uh, the, the door there was just an old, old door. And um, so still to this day, Mom does not go in that bathroom, no matter how many people's in the house, no matter what locks have been changed, nothing has changed at all. So, as I said, I figured everything else out. And uh, so, thinking that disciples were seeing ghosts, they screamed in terror like my mom did in the bathroom. They responded in fear. So the Holy Spirit is not that kind of ghost. The Holy Spirit is not a scary ghost at all. Number two, the Holy Spirit is not out of order. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. Now this is the Apostle Paul telling the church of Corinth how to, to have a good orderly uh, worship or good orderly service. It says, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Now you've been in services before maybe, or maybe not. I have. I remember being in services when I was a young guy. Being in services and you've been in a church and, and, and things are just a little bit out of order. You, you can't tell exactly what's going on. You don't know exactly um, why they are um, doing things the way they are. You, just, you can't put your, your finger on it exactly, but you know something just ain't right. And maybe somebody's drawing a little bit more attention to themselves instead of Jesus, and, but, they, but they use the excuse of being filled with the Spirit. And some people, you know, some people tend to use that word loosely, and it's scary. Being filled with the Spirit is not based on how excited someone gets in service. It's not. It's not it doesn't matter how excited someone gets in service. That doesn't necessarily define being filled with the Holy Spirit because if it was, then you've got to think all of the sports arenas in the world would be considered uh, Spirit-filled. You mean, case in point. All right. How many state fans we have in the house today? Anybody? All right. We got one, a couple. All right. What about Duke fans? Yep, yep. All right. All right. What about uh, Tar Heel fans? Anybody? Yep, yep. All right. What about ECU fans? All right. Um, Alabama fans. Oh, <laughs> we got one. Auburn. Florida State. Anybody? All right. So you get my point. You saw how excited everybody got about their, their particular team. But that doesn't mean that they're filled with the Spirit. They're just filled with team spirit, right? Now, God does give us spiritual gifts. And done right in an orderly way, it's an awesome thing. But for those that, that don't understand those, those spiritual gifts, those that are not um, familiar with those things and not experienced those spiritual gifts before, it could be a little weird. It could be a little, a little scary if you're not used to it. It could be a little, a little different. But just because you don't understand something, just because someone does things a little bit differently the way than you do, doesn't mean that it's necessarily wrong. I mean... 
If you were to go with us to Belize in, in the, the village of Halakte, we have a church there in Belize. Um, we, they've actually named it the Bridge Church. We have adopted this church, and you'll see the pictures outside in the, uh, in the hallway there. But if you go to this church, I remember the very first time I went, we pulled up there, and you could hear the church service going on. There were worshiping. You could hear them from miles away. I kid you not. I remember going in there for the first time. Now, you have to think. It's like a, a hut, a brick hut and, and center blocks, and that's it. Dirt floors and everything, they're limited. They don't have all these flashy things that we do, but they are worshiping the Lord, and they are unashamed. And I go in there, and they're hollering and screaming and raising their hands and jumping. And the difference between that and some things I've seen before that was out of order, this right here, every one of the people in there, men, women, and children, were praising God together. Nothing was drawing, drawing attention to themselves, but everything was drawing attention to God that day. And it was an awesome and amazing thing. So when someone um, disrupts service, though, they disrupt service and, and, and keep someone from hearing the gospel, that's out of order. The Holy Spirit is not a weapon for us to make ourselves look so uh, super spiritual and, and, and allowing everybody else to look like they're not spiritual at all. When we use the Holy Spirit for our advantage and it takes focus off of God and puts focus on us, then we're playing with fire. So the Holy Spirit is not out of order. Number three, the Holy Spirit is not confusing. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses, uh, verse 33 says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Now, there's a story that I heard one time of an old, spirit-filled church. And um, there was this really old, uh, well, well, well-respected um, lady who was, for the most part, reserved. You know, she would, she would raise her hands, and she was filled with the Spirit at times. But for the most part, she was reserved. But there was this particular um, time, this particular service, where um, she came in a little late. So she sat in the back. She's usually there on time, but she got there a little bit late. She sat um, close to the back row, and uh, the worship was going on, and it was great, and she was raising her hands and praising the Lord, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she just yells and screams at the top of her lungs and starts getting up, jumping up, skipping up, and starts running around the church. And then everybody else was looking around and knowing that, that Miss So-and-so was usually reserved, so... The Spirit must be moving, so we got to move with it. So they start running around the church, and they start, being, uh, they start jumping and skipping and hollering and screaming and everything. And the church service ends, and a couple people come up to this well-reserved, uh, well-respected uh, lady, and they, they ask her, they say, what, what in the world, what, what caused you to go into that? Was it the Spirit? And she, they said, Lord, uh, the, the lady said, Lord knows. No, no, no. I was praising the Lord, and, and all of a sudden I looked down, and there was a big old rat that run in between my legs, and I had to get up out of there. I had to go. So it won't the Spirit at all. So everybody there was confused. They thought that it was either, they didn't know if it was a Spirit or, or what it was exactly. Now, I firmly believe in being filled with the Spirit. I firmly believe in, in, in the, the gifts of the Spirit. And I've seen and experienced firsthand some great and amazing, awesome things that the Holy Spirit has done through people. And like I said before, done right and orderly. It's an awesome thing. But I also know that God is not a God of confusion. So, 
Who is the Holy Spirit? We've looked at who the Holy Spirit is not. So let's look at who the Holy Spirit is. First, the, the Holy Spirit is the most complex and hardest to understand part of the trilogy. The, the Trinity, excuse me. Turn to John chapter 14, verse 15 and 17. And I encourage you to, um, to read this whole entire chapter because it is an awesome chapter, but we don't have time to, to go through all of it, so we're going to uh, hit bits and pieces of it today. Now, this is Jesus talking to the disciples in uh, verse 15. It says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Next. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. Next. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. The word advocate translated combines the ideas of, of comforter and counselor and, and encourager. And that's the reason why we see those words in all the different translations, comforter and counselor and, and encourager, because of that. There are many, many ways and many, many things about the Holy Spirit that we can talk about, but I'm gonna only, we're going to only focus in on five things today. You're welcome. Only five. We had 12, and we, we narrowed it down to five. You're welcome. There are, um, so the number one, we're going to narrow it down to five. Number one, the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He comforts us in, in times of distress. He, he counsels us and, and guides us when we, we don't know what to do. And He encourages us when we are discouraged. When you're, when you're down and depressed and just de distressed all the time about something that's going on, He gives you that comfort. He gives you that peace. He gives you that encouragement that, that you need so desperately. When Jesus went away, his disciples were greatly distressed because they had lost their comforting, his comforting presence. But he promised to send the spirit of comfort to console them and, and guide them and guide those who belong to Christ. The spirit comforts believers as they go through hard times. And, and, he, and he said, uh, don't be troubled and don't be afraid. I've got this. He, whenever you're going through something in life, remember that don't be, don't be afraid and, and don't be troubled. Because he's got this. He's got you. No matter what you're going through. And he sends the Holy Spirit to, to give you that comfort and give you that encouragement and give you that counsel when you need it the most. Number two, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Verse 26 says, But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Jesus promised the disciples that, that he would send the Holy Spirit to help them to remember everything that he had taught them. And when you're battling with something, when you're going through something, and you don't know where to turn and what to do, God will, will, give, will send the Holy Spirit to, to remind you of, of the Scriptures. He will remind you of, of God's promises and what He said about you and what He said for you. As you may know, you, you may know that, that my family lost our home during Hurricane Matthew in, in the flood. And you can only imagine the, the stress and the discouragement and everything that was going through our minds at the times and, and me being the, the man of the house and trying to provide and trying to, to, to get my, my family um, in a house um, was really discouraging. It was. And I remember from the beginning 
as I would dive into God's Word every single day, I remember from the beginning the Holy Spirit reminding me, God using the Holy Spirit to remind me of the Scriptures that He taught me once before. And obviously they spoke to me in a different way during that season in my life, the season I'm still in, actually. But the Holy Spirit reminds me every single day as I'm in His Word, and as you're in, in God's Word, He will remind you of things of the Scriptures. He'll remind you of, of His promises he, He's he promised on you. You know, the Scriptures or the Bible is God-breathed. You know, and that's, that's God-inspired Word. You see, God's Word speaks to us, and the Holy Spirit reminds us of the Scriptures. Number three. The Holy Spirit brings glory to Christ. John chapter 16, verse 14. says, He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. I also like how the, uh, the message Bible says it. It says, He will honor me and he will take from me and deliver it to you. Isn't it good? The main purpose of the Holy Spirit is to point people to Jesus. Amen? The main purpose of the Holy Spirit is to point people to Jesus. Not to point people to us, but to point people to Jesus. And that should also be our main purpose. And everything we do and everything we say and everything how we act, we should point people to Jesus, not to us. Number four, the Holy Spirit empowers. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being. God empowers us through his Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. God empowers us through the Holy Spirit. We're nothing without Him. But with His power, we can do anything. There's nothing that we can't do using the Holy Spirit's power. You see, the Holy Spirit empowers people with, the, with spiritual gifts to live a, a supernatural life in a very natural world. We can tap into that, that power, though. We can tap into the Holy Spirit's power. And Paul said in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also... Give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. The same power that conquered the grave lives in those who believe in Him. Amen? Amen. Pastor Craig Rochelle, a very famous pastor, actually uh, the pastor of Life Church in Oklahoma that is one of, if not the biggest churches in America, had this to say about the Holy Spirit. He said, so many people live a spirit-less life when God wants them to live a spirit Field life. How many? How often do we see that? We we see people, or maybe us, or we we're living a a spiritless life, and God wants us to live a spirit-filled life. He wants our life to be filled of, with Him, 
and nothing else. The same power that conquered the grave lives in those who believe. So the Holy Spirit empowers. Number five, the Holy Spirit is the very presence of God. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of God within those who believe. God said that he would never leave us nor forsake us, and he didn't. He sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will never leave us. He's always with us. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 17, he said, He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. God uses the Holy Spirit to express himself to us and to express his love to us, to express his awesome and amazing love for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 says, But we know these things because God has revealed them to us by his Spirit, and his Spirit searches out everything and shows us even God's deep secrets. These things that Paul is talking about is God's nature and God's love for us. Everything that God does, he does it through the Holy Spirit now. Even when, we, when we feel God's presence, we're feeling the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to, to lean in on this one. I want you to hear this. Now, this not only ties in this message today, but it also ties in the whole series. So I want you to lean in and definitely listen to this. Are you ready? God the Father's plan is not only for Him to love us, but to, for us to love Him through a relationship with God the Son, which is Jesus which then allows God, the Holy Spirit, to live in us and through us and be our comforter and be our counselor and be our encourager and be our teacher. God the Father's plan is not only for Him to love us, but for us to love Him through a relationship with God the Son, Jesus Christ, which allows the Holy Spirit to live in us and through us. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. After Peter preached one of the most awesome sermons of all times, the people there had this to say. I said, what, what, what do we do now? We've heard this awesome message, Peter, and we believe in everything you said, but what do we do now? Verse 38 and 39. Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and all for who are, are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And then the, the verse following that, he said, Save yourselves. And that's what I'm telling you today, to save yourselves while there's still time. Now, I'm not the type of guy who, who's going to scare you. But it's not the kind of church that we are. But I am, I am a, a, a real. You don't know what's going to happen when you walk out those doors. You have no idea. So why, so why would you wait? Don't wait. Do it today. Save yourselves and, and surrender to Jesus today. The Holy Spirit is not scary. He's not out of order. He's not confusing but he is our comforter. 
He's our counselor. He's our encourager. He's our teacher. And he's our very presence of God. And if you want the Holy Spirit in your life, then you have to accept Jesus into your heart. And if you want to start living a Spirit-filled life, that's what you do. It's not about if we have enough of the Spirit. It's, the question is, is, does the Spirit have enough of us? Romans 10.9 says that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So it's up to you. I told you everything to do. If you want to have a, a Spirit-filled life, you have to first accept God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray, and if that's what you need today, I'll give you that opportunity. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for, for being in this service today. Lord, this was a lot for some people today to take in. It's a lot for them to, to wrap their minds around. It's a lot for all of us to wrap our minds around, if you think about it, for us to really truly understand the Holy Spirit. But just as we learned, you're our teacher. So, Lord, teach us to understand you more. Now, Lord, for those who, who are here and want to live a spirit-filled life, but they don't know exactly what, how that is and, and what that's all about. Just declare that Jesus is Lord of your life. Believe that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And continue to fill us and continue to remind us of all your promises. In Jesus' name. Amen.